Welcome to Run Your Mouth. I'm your host, David Melly. This week's guest is Sage Herda of On Athletics Club. Sage is an NCAA champion in the mile who's turned a lot of heads this year in her first full season as a professional by knocking out some crazy fast 800s, entering 2022 having never broken two minutes, and just this past week, running 158, 159, and 158 in the space of six days. After finishing 7th in the final at USA's, Sage made a quick trip to Sweden for a Diamond League race and then hopped on to record the pod once she had gotten home safely and conquered her jet lag. We talked about why Sage went on in the 800 this year, we unpacked USA's from start to finish, bonded over our shared upstate New York connections, and learned about the strategy and planning behind sleeping next to an altitude tent. I really enjoyed this episode. Sage is one of the smartest, most thoughtful people in the sport right now, and she's got a great perspective on one of the toughest events in track and field. This episode was brought to you by Hayward Magic and the Sidious Mag coverage of the upcoming World Championships in Eugene. At this point, I'm sure I don't have to tell you about all the excitement to look forward to when World Champs starts next week. And now that Team USA is named, fans of American running know exactly who to root for in every distance and every discipline. Sidious will be there every step of the way with video interviews, post-race shows and podcasts, behind-the-scenes content, and even a daily email newsletter by yours truly. You can learn more at SidiousMag.com slash Summer of Hayward. Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, and follow our podcast and all of our sibling podcasts in the Sidious Network to stay up-to-date on the latest and greatest in the sport. And until next time, this has been Run Your Mouth. Welcome to Run Your Mouth, Long Run Talk for Long Talking Runners. I have a fantastic guest here this week, fresh off quite quite the week of racing, the the true um, you know round after round after round. But she's she's back in the states and and hopefully has had some time to to rest and recover. Sage Herta, welcome to the pod. Yeah, thank you. I'm here. Finally. You're here. <laughs> Your dogs recognize you at this point? Have they completely forgotten uh, who you are? <laughs> yeah, it's actually really funny. I so the first night I got home, I fell asleep like so early. And when I woke up in the morning, I Joe showed me this photo of the dog just like cuddled around me Aww. right when I fell asleep. So cute. Like they were sleeping next to me the entire night. Well, that's good. Other than, uh, rather than who's this stranger in our house? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I Who think did? they were, then they were following me around. I think they want to make sure that I didn't leave again. If Just you like, and Joe are both gone, who, who do they stay with usually? Um, it kind of depends. Like, uh, we've had people from the SKU team watch them. We've had like a couple of other runners. Luckily there's usually a good number of like people that we know in the area. And so we either like drop them off at them or they come stay at our place and it's worked so pretty well so far. We haven't gotten to a situation where the dogs are on their own yet. So hopefully that continues. I'm, I'm always pretty, I'm surprised by how, I guess I shouldn't be surprised because I feel like runners in general are dog people, but mm-hmm. I'm surprised how many people who travel so much for racing end up with I know. us. Like, <laughs> it's, yeah. Uh, it is kind of crazy. Like 
you know, I feel like especially this August, we're going to be gone a lot. And it's like, okay, how, who can we find that will watch them for like two or three weeks? Because that's just so long. Like this past winter, we just dropped them off with Joe's sister. So it's, it's a bit, takes a bit of creativity to make sure that they're taken care of. <laughs> Well, Joe's from a big family, right? So there's there's probably you can, you know, call in favors, just run down the sibling list. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Well, so let's, uh, before anything else, like, obviously it's been a big week (laughs) for you, a big like week and a half. Um, Let's start at USA's. Walk us through that experience. What what was that like for you? Yeah, USA's was, um, I mean, I felt like I was in Eugene for like a month. And the thing is we were staying in an Airbnb and like, I would go run these rounds. And then basically when I wasn't like racing or doing something to get ready to race, I was just laying in bed. Like, so I feel like I spent so much time in this one little room. So didn't really get to see much of Eugene. Uh, but the first round, I don't know. That's just like one of those things, like when you should like definitely make it through, you just don't want to take any chances. and I just wanted to like take it out because I was like, okay, I can run a two minute 800 like any day. Like I'm just going to go do that, which is basically exactly what I did. Um, And, you know, definitely pressed it down the last 200 meters just to like make sure that no one came up from behind. Cause the thing is like, they have a beautiful, like uh, a big video board, but you can't see it when you're going down the home stretch, which is like a little bit of a bummer. So you're, you're running blind. When, if when you would need it most side. of all. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, okay, I, I look for 200 meters to go. I say, oh my gosh, there's still a lot of people behind me. And then I don't really know. I just have like running as hard as I need to, hopefully. But yeah, the first round was pretty um, uneventful, I would say. Just sort of like a, I mean, I, I ended up leading it from the beginning and then won it. So that was like, I don't know. At this point, I've kind of like forgotten about that one. So then the semifinal, I felt like I was definitely a little bit more nervous about because making it to the final has been a big goal of mine for like multiple years. And then last year, how I didn't make it through the semi and I have a big DNF from the the semi last year, I wanted to make sure that not only did I uh, get through without incident, but also that I uh, I qualify for the final. And so, like, once again, it was just about running hard. And it was really nice because Athing was in my race. And because she, she's just so, like, good, she can just be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go out and run 157. Like, keep this drama free. Kind of like how I felt about the first round. That's her running 157. So I was able to just kind of latch on. And that race was so wild because I think we went through in, like, 57-something. And I ended up running 158, which was, like, a – over a second PB what I ended up doing and that was just like one of those races where everything just sort of like was perfect but it was also helpful because it wasn't overly crowded you know because I feel like one thing that can get tricky in these fast 800s especially like let's say you look at the final when you have like six people who are all right there over the last 200 meters as opposed to like three or four there's just it's become so much more about positioning, like where you are in the lane, whether you're on the inside or the outside. So anyways, that one was really fun. 
especially like crossing the line and seeing a 158.3, that was like way better than I had even like hoped for, which was, which was crazy. Was that, so in that moment, was that like a big confidence booster going into the final or a little like, you're like, uh-oh, did I, did I run a little too hard in, in round two? It was just a confidence booster, like in the moment, especially, uh, because I sort like, I knew that that kind of performance was in it, but when you've only run, like, I hadn't even run the world standard at that point. So like, I, I knew that I could do it, but at the same time, like I hadn't been able to do it after running multiple eight hundreds. So it's nice to like, actually know that you can do it, not just telling yourself that you can do it. But then like, when you go to the final and I ended up placing seventh and running what ended up being like my second fastest time, I was still under the world standard in the final, but like, if it was a great day for me, I would have run 158.3 again, probably, or somewhere around there. And I still would have been like half a second off of making the team. So I kind of like, my, my mindset is like, I don't really care whether I got fourth or whether I got seventh place, you know, like there's just, there were really only two outcomes in the U S final. It's like, you're on the team or you're not the team. I mean, maybe like if you're going for the win or like you've already made a team, there might be more, it might be more complex than that, but that's how it was for me. There were like only two outcomes and maybe on like a great day, I could run a 157. But at the same time, like, I just didn't have it in my legs that day. Like I got to, I was in good positioning, doing what I could. And then over the last hundred, like there was this big shift in positioning and suddenly I was behind everyone. And I'm like, oh gosh, I do not have the legs to make up this distance. So it was like, kind of left a sour taste in my mouth. Cause it was like the sort of the worst case scenario with that race. But at the same time, like, I don't know, what can you do? It's like, I just didn't have it that day. Well, and everyone, I mean, that I feel like was, that was the stat that jumped out at me after that race was, you know, one through eight going sub two is yeah. not, you know, you usually don't see that outside diamond league. Yeah. And even then that's pretty unusual. It's so um, unusual. Like, I think that maybe I would have done a little bit better if it just wasn't so crowded, but like at the same time, that's just sort of like a, a, that's just sort of what the 800 is, especially at the level that you have to run at for the U S final. Do you, so obviously, you know, the, the women's 800 in the U S right now is just crazy in terms of, you know, just the top level talent, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, people are talking after the U S final, people are talking about them potentially sweeping the medals at at worlds and Mm -hmm. um, what is your mentality I guess like lining up for the final do you have you know do you think about it as you know I'm gonna run my best race and you know hope that's for the best or is it really are you thinking about strategically how to you know how to knock off one of one of those folks that that end up on the podium you know I feel like let's say someone like Ajay who obviously like it seemed like what her game plan was was to challenge for the win like she's just such a savvy racer and uh in a position where she can definitely go about it super strategically where I feel like at least for me this year it's like a lot of just like okay I'm gonna just try to run the best 800 I can and see what happens like maybe maybe I'll that'll be a little bit more nuanced in the future but it's sort of just like run hard, see what happens for me right now. (laughs) 
is that so you know obviously even kind of backing up a little bit like you've clearly been kind of all in on the eight this year mm-hmm. um, I'm sure you've like answered this question a million times but um, you know why the eight versus the 15 um, at, at least for the championship part of the season yeah you know I honestly think we went into this season thinking that it was 1500 was what I was going to do um, and then I think it just became like I was getting these opportunities in the 800 that like I didn't want to pass up like getting the Birmingham Diamond League getting into pre and then at that point like I'd been running pretty well and I think we just decided like this is like this might just be the year of the 800 and then once it got closer to USA's like I sort of was in this position of like oh shoot I wish I had another 15 like I didn't it'd been so long since I'd run a 15 I wouldn't want to just like go all in because I knew the 800 was going well like uh so I, it would have been like a little bit of a gamble, especially because I only ran 405 earlier in the year, you know, and, and a lot of these women have run like, you know, 358, 359, four flat. And so it would have been sort of like a, I just wasn't ready to commit to being like, okay, I can compete against those people. And of course, looking back, when you see how the US, like the final played out for the 1500, you say, wait like as an 815 person like that would be the perfect race for me you know but how did i know that they weren't going to go out in 208 and then like try to close it down under four minutes and like that's way beyond anything that i've done before you know yeah hindsight is 2020 you know (laughs) and, and anything you know on one hand it's like you know from an outsider's perspective you know there's a very defined top three in Mm -hmm. the 800 but at the same time it's like all it takes is like one person's banged up or has a bad day or there's a fall or something versus the 15 to you know it really does sometimes feel like you know there's eight nine ten women who can all credibly you know be vying for the team and then you you know even if you're one of those ten you know the overall, mm-hmm. you know, depth is just, just truly yeah. astonishing. I mean, the crazy thing is just like visually, like in the 800, it's just so tight. Like the margins are so narrow. Like if you want to squeeze into that top three, like it just be so difficult. Whereas the 15, like if you just look at a picture of the finish, like there's just space there. Like there, there are opportunities, you know? Uh, so, I mean, the eight is just kind of, and I'll, I'll continue to focus on the eight this year. Like, I think maybe it's my relatively best event. It just, it's just also, it's relatively better in the U S. So like, what can I do about it right now? Yeah. There's, uh, you know, one of the things that's interesting is that, you know, you end up racing a lot of the same people <laughs> all the time, <laughs> you know, are you, are you having these conversations, you know, with, with Brooke or, or with Allie Wilson, you know, these folks that you're sort of, you know, lining up against pretty mm-hmm. regularly. Is that, is that sort of uh are you guys sort of having these same, you know, conversations together or is everybody kind of in their own lane doing their own thing? You know, it's been sort of interesting because especially last year, like coming off the NCAA season where I was mostly doing the mile in the 15. And then I just sort of continued doing mile 15 throughout the year. So Last year, I felt like I was spending a lot of time with sort of like the the 1500 crew. And so it's been like a little bit of an adjustment to me 
to like be with the the 800 crew, you know? Um, so I've, it's been more of like meeting people and getting to know people. Like, I don't really know Allie Wilson. I've never really talked to her, but I spent a lot of time with Brooke uh, while we were in Stockholm this past week. And uh, we got along really well. And I also, it's basically like, okay, who am I roommates with these? Yeah. And then I was roommates with Olivia Baker um, when we were in New York City. And I mean, I don't know. I guess I can't speak for everyone, but I feel like everyone across the board in the event has like just profound respect for those top three who have sort of been like really solid for, you know, so such a long time, really. But I also think that everyone thinks that like they're going to be the person that, you know, is going to be able to break through and upset that like everyone's working for that is uh so when you have these conversations about you know events to focus on and Mm -hmm. and racing and everything like that what is that you know dynamic like between you and dathan is that sort of a you know you're coming to him with ideas is it him you know saying this is what we're going to do how does that relationship kind of play out in practice yeah i it's a lot of dathan saying okay this is what we're going to do especially just in like the sort of early on building out the season And then I honestly think that like a lot of it, especially for me, has just been sort of like chasing the opportunities um, that come up. Um, And then it's been like a little bit of me learning to sort of advocate for myself a little bit more, like what I want to do. For example, I was supposed to go over to Europe with the team last month where I was going to hop into a couple of low key 800s or like 800s and smaller meets and then go and pace the 5k at the Oslo Diamond League, which that was more of like a game plan thinking, okay, I'm going to run the 1500 at USA's and doing like a mile and a half at 1430 pace will be a good tune up for that. But like I went to Dathan like the week before and was like, hey, I just don't think this makes sense anymore to do this. And like, there's this gold label meet in New York. And then I can also go home for a few days while you guys are gone and he was like oh yeah that makes sense like let's do that instead so it's been it's like collaborative Dayton definitely leads the way with everything and I trust him on that but I'll also speak up if I think that something has to be different so in speaking of that I guess you know is it ever tough to you know the the team so far at least is pretty distance oriented um Mm -hmm. and you know especially you know on the women's side like with well, Leah doing the steeple and, and Carmela doing the, the 10K. Do you ever feel like, like, is it tough to have to kind of be the single person who's kind of more mid-distance oriented or, or does that, you know, not impact you as much? You know, I feel like there was this point in the season where I started transitioning just from, I think it was probably around when we decided like, okay, we're going to focus on the 800. And my workouts became a lot more like speed focused and like a lot shorter and more intense. And it was kind of a hard, hard for me because I would see these workouts and I feel like it's so short. It's like, so like little compared to what, like, let's say Alicia or Joe or any of the other guys are doing. Uh, and I'd be like, and I'd be sort of upset with myself when I was 
when it was really hard, you know, and like, I was sort of struggling at the end. I'm like, what? I just, I just am not good. But that had to sort of like relearn to appreciate and respect like how hard it is to do like to be an 800 runner, which sounds kind of backwards. Cause it's just like kind of such a painful event, but I don't think I totally appreciated that because I'm just so used to like being impressed with the volume of what everyone's doing. And it's not something that I really excel at. And I was kind of like, well, look at my dinky little workout. That's like takes 10 minutes and you guys are still going for another 20 minutes after that. Yeah. We, I remember that, especially from college, like sometimes, you know, the, the mid squad would be doing like, you know, three by 500 and that's their yeah. whole workout. And you're like, what yeah. the hell? Like I got repeat miles today. <laughs> yeah. I think there was sort of that, like that, it was sort of like that where I was thinking of it as a distance runner, like, what is this workout? Like, this is pathetic. And then I get into the middle of it and I'm like, Oh no, what did I get myself into? But it, that took a little bit of an adjustment and like having Ollie around has also been nice just as like a little bit more perspective from more of a middle distance side of things as like sort of what it takes, you know, and where he sort of gets what I'm doing and getting a little bit of positive reinforcement, especially from someone who is as successful as he is, which is just like gr- great voice to hear. Do the guys ever get to link up for like, you know, I, Fortunately, you know, if you're doing like 28 second, 200, you've, you've probably mm-hmm. got a couple of people around who can, who can help out with the pace on that one. Yeah. It was really fun in the beginning of the year when I was tra- uh, traveling with those guys. Cause like they like to do like 28, 29 second, 200s for their pre-meet, which I'm like, okay, perfect. This is like what I want to do too. So we could link up for things like that for pre-meet. And, um, I don't, it's kind of hard because like a lot of the times these guys will be doing like more strength workouts where I'm doing speed so it doesn't totally line up but I've had uh uh Jordy and Ollie pace me through a 600 time trial before and recently I've been linking up with Drew Hunter which has been kind of fun because like he's not even my teammate but we've been overlapping and so he's just kind of made it work and been my new little training buddy (laughs) That that's what I was going to ask actually is do you are you able to link up with you know either like the team boss women mm-hmm. or or the Colorado women because I know in Boston you know one of the nice things about having like the different pro groups is like yeah. the BA girls will link up with the New Balance mm-hmm. Boston crew are you able to kind of coordinate from that perspective? You know what I feel like the the Boulder running scene of course I actually haven't been really many places outside of Boulder like I basically just spend my all my time here but I get the sense that the Boulder running scene is a little bit more disjointed than like, let's say Flagstaff where people will hop in workouts together. Like there's not a too much of hopping in workouts across groups. Like yes, easy running and people will link up and stuff, but yeah, I've never really coordinated with like team boss or I I've gone to last year. I went to a CU workout, but I was doing something totally different. It was just sort of like have people around while I was doing my workout, not so much of like, we're doing it together. Well, so like track access is like, is a real struggle in Boulder, right? That's, that's what yeah. I've heard. <laughs> Are you able to, to play the, you know, uh, Buffalo alum card to get on the indoor track or is that, is that not allowed once you're, once the, you're graduated? 
the indoor track's just a whole different beast. Like maybe, maybe I could for the outdoor track, I could probably swing that, but the indoor track is like, it's like maximum security to get into there. <laughs> Joe, Joe and I were trying to get into the athletic buildings just to give something to one of our coaches. Like we just had a gift for him and we just like, someone had walked out the doors and like we were trying to walk in because my key, like my code didn't work to get in the door anymore. And she stopped us and she's like, excuse me, like if you don't have your card, you're going to need to wait out here. And I'm like, we were so offended because I'm like, I just graduated like three months ago, you know, <laughs> like, you want do me you to know go, who I Yeah, show you my NCAA trophy while yeah, we're here. Do I need to find a picture of me somewhere around here <laughs> to show you that I'm not trying to just break in? So, but, the, yeah. so the indoor track is a no-go for the wedding venue is what we're hearing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This episode of Run Your Mouth was brought to you by Hayward Magic and the Sidious Mag coverage of the upcoming World Championships in Eugene. If you liked our coverage of USAs, you'll love our coverage of Worlds coming up with video, audio, everything you could possibly want, live updates and analysis, and a daily newsletter of every single event, every day of the competition, over 10 days. It's going to be so much fun. And if you can't make it to Eugene to spectate, following along with Sidious is going to be the next best thing. You can learn more at SidiousMag.com slash Summer of Hayward or by following us at Twitter, YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, wherever you get your content, we're giving you the best that track and field has to offer with some of the most exciting voices in the sport. Follow along with the athletes, hear what they have to say, root for them every step of the way, and watch them stack up hardware as the World Championships in Eugene get kicked off next week. The indoor track, I mean, you could definitely rent it out for the wedding if you really wanted to, <laughs> but no no special favors. <laughs> Is, uh, do you guys know where you're, where you're getting married? Or? Yeah, yeah, we're getting married in Boulder, uh, which is just super convenient for us. Kind of figured like if people are going to have to travel, they might as well just, we might as well not have to travel <laughs> to get to the wedding. Is there uh, going to be a, a wedding morning 5K with all the all the pros on the invite list, or are yeah, you going to give everyone a break? <laughs> uh, I mean, we'll probably organize something because like there are going to be so many runners, you might as well just get everyone together for it. Yeah, coordinate Although workouts. It'll probably, be, it'll probably be a little bit more than 5K <laughs> if it's, it's a Sunday. It's on a Sunday, so like it'll be a Sunday morning. You got to get the the long run in first, and then yeah. <laughs> Gotta, get everybody gotta, on mags and then mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah get the full boulder experience yeah that'll really punish the out-of-towners who, who mm-hmm. just aren't used to it at all yeah, straight to eight thousand feet <laughs> so well speak all right speaking of um your people coming from out of town and your family the one of the mm-hmm. very minimal research that i did before this was learning that your parents ran track for cornell yeah mm-hmm that all right so first of all as a cornell alum i'm like why the hell did you not end up running for us is the uh, real question <laughs> my parents ask me that all the time they they call colorado the other ceo <laughs> i i support that as well <laughs> mm-hmm. did you think about that when you were when you were looking at schools yeah so not only did my parents go to cornell like we also lived in new york so like we would always go down to like watch track meets or they would come to all comers meets. And then when I was in second grade, I actually lived in Ithaca with my dad while he went back for his master's degree at Cornell. So like, I was very much like 
a Cornell kid. Like I was integrated. Like I went to classes with my dad while he was getting his master's degree and growing up, I thought like, this is where I'm going to go. <laughs> um, <laughs> a lot of Barton Hall meets, I'm sure. <laughs> yes. A lot of time. It, well, I'm named Sage after Sage Chapel. Are you really? On campus. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so, like, so you are, yeah, you're you're about as big red as it gets. <laughs> yeah, I was born to be big red all the way. Uh, so it was definitely like when when I got to like my senior year of high school, running became a little bit more important. And then also, um, I also kind of just like wanted to get out of New York a little bit. Like it's just so interesting. Like looking back, I'm like I would have loved going to Cornell. Cause it's just everything that I think of when I think of like going to college, cause it's what I grew up seeing, but you know, me being like 17 years old, I'm like, I need to like b- break out on my own. I need to get out of here. So that was sort of like, I, I thought about Cornell, but I was like, I need to see the world a little bit. I totally felt the same way. Like I, I grew up in Boston and obviously there's like mm-hmm. a million good colleges in Boston, yeah. but I'm like, no, I got it. I can't, it's too close. I gotta mm-hmm. go. <laughs> Yeah, I'm like only an hour and a half away from home. No, I I need to be <laughs> at minimum four hours. <laughs> yeah, have you have you had to explain um, the concept of lake effect snow to all the Australians on the team? <laughs> yeah, I don't even try. Like they, it just <laughs> they don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> they think Boulder winters are bad. Little do they know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm like this is new. This is nice here. Like I. I I was born in Buffalo. Like I've heard horror stories. Like I remember being stranded at preschool because the snow was too bad for my parents to come get me. Like, <laughs> yeah, I um I was in Minnesota a couple weeks ago um for for a marathon, and the the number one sign you're in somewhere that's like really awful in the winter is when there's the tunnel, like the glassed-in walkways between all the buildings in like Mm -hmm. downtown Minneapolis and Duluth you're like oh it's got to be really awful here in the winter I know yeah (laughs) if all this infrastructure was worth building (laughs) exactly it's like that's a lot of money so you must use that quite a lot (laughs) um when you're so then thinking about that moving um forward when you were looking at pro groups was that Mm -hmm. um did that feel like a comforting thing or a constraint to kind of want to be in Boulder um, after college? What, did you feel like that was like an annoying thing to have to factor in or you're like, well, mm-hmm. at least like I know where I want to be. So that's one thing to cross off the list. I know kind of both. Like it was, it was nice because I like, I know that I like to hear, I know what to expect. Like I'm comfortable. I sort of have like, even if I don't see people who are like on the CU team or, who I used to be teammates with as much. Like I also know that I know people around. So it's just sort of comforting to have like a support system around if you need it. But at the same time, like I would have liked to look a little bit broader, just just out of curiosity more than anything. But I like the way that my transition played out, like on just was such a perfect fit for me, like on a lot of levels. And it was also like, I'm just such like a planner. I wanted to get things wrapped up as soon as possible. And so like, as soon as like I got an offer from on and it was like, okay, well, we're going to have to wait and see for other 
other options and like I didn't want to drag it out for any longer than it had to be it's like well I get to stay where I want to be and I guess I just won't know what it's like to be somewhere else (laughs) (laughs) so it was a constraint but I don't know it just made the whole process a lot easier too yeah and I I also uh from a technical standpoint um you know one of the things that sort of the the on folks you know like talking about is just because you guys are at so much the cutting edge of you know what on is doing in the performance Mm -hmm. running world that you get to um you know be so involved in the front end of a lot of the conversations around product and um actually uh shout out to jordan donnelly who i'm sure will Mm -hmm. be listening to this who is a a former boston guy who we lost to europe uh, a couple of years back but uh you know are they at this point basically custom designing their mid-distance bikes for your feet or how how involved are you in those conversations i mean i i wish it was something like at that level where they're custom designed for us but it's not quite at that level you know we're not the red roger federers of the world uh but yeah you know let's just you know, uh, let's just wait <laughs> i yeah let's just wait a little while for that once coffee but, club really blows off they'll be you know <laughs> yeah yeah exactly that's the pathway to that kind of stardom um but uh we've been super like front row with the development when we were in training camp in florida they a bunch of people came over with the first versions of the spikes and and traveled up to Milrose with us. And like, I'd never really thought as much about spikes or talked as much about spikes and gave so much feedback. Like, I really feel like, I mean, maybe they didn't listen to anything that I said, but I definitely talked with people for like hours <laughs> about what my thoughts were on things. And I mean, of course, like a lot of people had similar feedback on things. And now we have these like version two spikes that are a lot better. Um, or, I shouldn't say a lot better, just like they improved the upper a little bit. And then they definitely took some of the feedback that we had from the first round, just with like the shape of the shoe and the shape of the plate. And now we have like a really awesome spike. And it's been cool to see, like, even though there have been a lot of production delays that are sort of outside of like the development team's uh, control, just with like factories shut down across the world, it's been cool to see like what we've said implemented. Yeah, that definitely uh, a nice feeling. And mm-hmm. and to be able to trust, you know, it's like when you are, um, you know, I think so often, you know, especially some of the conversations recently around the spikes and, and road shoes and stuff, it's like certain, certain brands, it almost seems like you're, you know, you're, you're trading away, you know, opportunities to run fast for, you know, financial yeah. support and to be able to you know, you know, have a say has got to feel, you know, comforting. Um, yeah. So. It's kind of interesting with Vaughn. Cause like I got a little, I mean, a little bit late to the game, but I was also sort of around. So I got to hear what it was like the first year in their development team, which they call the lightning team has expanded from like three people to, I don't know how many people there are now, but maybe like 25 or something like that. So it used to be like one guy who's totally overworked, like trying to do performance running shoes when he'd never done anything like that before. And now we have like a bunch of people who are more like running. They have a lot of uh, experience in this like running footwear world, uh, able to like apply their skills. And it's cool to see how quickly on has like built out this expertise that they didn't have even like a year and a half ago. So 
speaking of kind of quickly, you know, blowing up and I, I joked about it before, but, you know, obviously OAC is, I would say one of the more like social media forward, like groups out mm-hmm. there right now um, and, and coffee club and all the stuff those guys are doing they, they, they've built quite the fandom. Out yeah. of that. Um, how, I, I guess in that experience for you, like how naturally does kind of the whole, you know, like the, the public image piece of being a professional athlete come to you? Is that, is that kind of innate or is that something a little more, feels a little more like work? <laughs> I feel like it, it's innate to me at some level. Like I don't feel like there are certain people, like let's say a Colleen Quigley or a Grayson Murphy who just have like this next level mastery of the, like this social media world in order to grow their platforms. I also don't really have like the personality for that. So like, I don't know. I just, they're just so, it's just seems so natural, like what they're able to do. And I just don't think and work like that, you know, but at the same time, I have no problem being like sort of a public figure. Like it's easier, especially when you're like in season and racing and what you're doing is like kind of objectively exciting, you know, where, I, I struggle more with it. Like when you're just training, you're kind of like, well, I got up today and I ran and yeah. that's it. What else uh, is new? Yeah. <laughs> but it's definitely a changing landscape where that becomes more and more important. And for me, it's been, it's just kind of like an ongoing thing of figuring out what that looks like for me, like, you know, with your personal brand and everything. But uh, I don't know. I, I'm pretty low key at the moment, but. I might expand that later on, but there are other people who do it really well. And I'm probably like somewhere in the middle. Is it tough? You know, I think there are all kinds of examples of this um, where, you know, being, you know, being engaged to, you know, your teammate and another mm-hmm. visible person in the running world. Like, does it feel like that kind of piece of your life is like a little to on display sometimes is that something you kind of have to reconcile as well that doesn't bother me so much like I don't know I've it's sort of nice because like in my personal like immediate life Joe's just such like he's just there all the time you know it's such like a big thing and so it's sort of nice that like when I am in like a little bit more like public uh public stage mode like most people understand the context of what I'm talking about like when I talk about Joe or like something that Joe's doing, because it makes it easier, like for me to be more transparent about what's actually going on, like right around me, which, you know, sometimes it's annoying, especially when like, you know, let's say Joe makes the Olympics and like I fall and break my wrist. Cause it's just like such <laughs> like a, such a huge dynamic, like, or juxtaposition, like that kind of thing with like dating or like being engaged to runners hard in the public sphere, but I don't know. I think it's nice overall. That, you know, it's funny, like with, with my boyfriend being an ultra runner, it's like kind of the same thing as you and Joe, where it's like, you have like the common, but like, you also have like your lanes, which Mm -hmm. is nice. And we are, we're going to be both running the same marathon this fall (laughs) for the first time ever. And like both going for the OTQ. So I'm like, Mm -hmm. I'm a little nervous about how that's going to play out, <laughs> whether there's the, the old Joe stereotype are... of two, two people and a couple can't run well oh, at the same gosh. time, but <laughs> I, well, you know, there I've, I've heard, I hear rumblings that there's a curse that 
in a running couple, you never have two people doing well at the same time, which I, I feel like maybe this year has been like a little bit of a, uh, yeah, you guys are breaking the mold. And, exactly. Uh, I'm trying and to thing do it. And Brandon Miller, both making the team, you know, and we're, Elise we're, and Sean, both making Oh, that's the true. Team. Yeah. All right. Well, so. this is very comforting to me personally. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you can both do it. No yeah, problem. Given that, Zach made worlds this year already in the hundred K I like, you yeah. know, my, the, the bar is high. So <laughs> yeah, you've got to hold up your end of the bargain now. Yeah, that is, yeah, it's definitely, we always talked about that in college of like, you mm-hmm. know, one person's going to, and it is, you know, it is hard. You know, you talked about trials last year. Yeah. Like it's hard sometimes when you have to be the, you know, both a supportive partner and, mm-hmm. you know, very invested in your own running yeah. at the same time. Yeah, but I, I like to just think of it as like if you took any two runners at any given time, one of them might be injured, one of them might not Statistically, be yeah, that's yeah. very true. <laughs> so that's how I like to think about it. It's like it's not it's not the relationship, it's just any two runners out there. Yes, yeah, that's very true. The odds that any two runners are running well at the same time is is decently low. Do you uh yeah. how uh I, I feel like the number one question you must get from like the randos that follow you and Joe is like how you have to deal with the altitude tent uh oh insanity God. that he practiced. Well, what's what's crazy, literally on my run this morning, Alicia was asking me, Oh, do you sleep in the tent? I'm like, no, which I just thought it was funny that she didn't even know that I don't sleep in the tent. Yeah, but so what's guess- the setup? Is like he sticks his head on one side of the bed, or are you like, do you guys have different beds? What's- okay, to be fair, it has changed like last year we had a tent that went over the entire bed. So I was sleeping at like 12,000 feet or whatever Joe sets it at, which I thought I was doing fine. But then last August, I just sort of got like a head cold and I was really sick, but Joe's also like a germaphobe. So I got kicked out of the bubble and I also didn't (laughs) want to sleep at 12,000 feet while I was sick. And that was sort of just like, and I was like, I never really went back to it. You know, I just, there wasn't any reason and plus like I just sort of felt like the whole the the tent just like overwhelmed the room I was like we got to get rid of this thing so now we have these nice little pop-up tents on the team that it only it's like from your chest up so Joe just kind of has this like head bubble that he sleeps in on his side of the bed and then I am sleeping normally on my side <laughs> It brings like uh, custom sleep numbers to a to a whole new level. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, it's like it's funny because I've had these roommates uh, like on these trips, and they're like, "So, like, what do you need to sleep?" I'm like, "I just put my eye mask on, my earplugs on, in, and like, I am out. Like, I can sleep through anything, thanks to because there's just like to me, there's like there's, there's machinery happening. Yeah, <laughs> like there's yeah. just so much going on all the time that it's sort of uh numbed me to be able to sleep in any condition i i will like i don't love sharing a bed before races mm-hmm. so like like w- there have been times when like we've literally been in a hotel room and, and like if the hotel room happens to have two beds i'll be like zach you're sleeping in that bed yeah. and i'm sleeping in this bed um, well, that's so how I, it is with me and joe i'm like i don't care so much uh but joe really likes to have his personal space like when we were at pre and I was staying with him in his room, there were two beds and like, we, we slept in the beds next to each other. And that's probably like Joe's ideal situation. He doesn't like to be near me at all when he's sleeping. 
<laughs> one of my uh friends i won't i won't put him on blast because i feel like people might give him shit if they uh, <laughs> hear about this but he uh he basically like happenstance acquired like two or three different altitude machines mm-hmm. um and figured out a way to essentially like turn his bedroom into a vacuum chamber yeah. um and you know jacked it up to whatever like nine or ten thousand feet but then his his coach also intervened because he was like I, I think it was like he just like was way too tired during like lifts or yeah. something and he was like mm-hmm. you need to stop sleeping like yeah. this in a barometric chamber <laughs> yeah I don't know if it's like a superpower or like a curse for Joe but in order for him to see a benefit like with altitude exposure he needs to go up to like twelve thousand feet I guess it's I guess it's good in that it means that like you know he's he's probably like cranking out red blood cells all over yeah. the place. But yeah, it's uh talk the the conversations that probably ninety nine point nine point nine percent of couples don't need to have is yeah uh, how we're going to arrange the altitude tent in our bed. Exactly. Yeah, it's it's definitely much more of a topic of conversation in my life than I ever imagined. <laughs> um, uh, well, in a way, this is a perfect transition um, to our final questions, because mm-hmm. we asked the same three questions of our guests. Um, the first of which is your Instagram crush. Um, and while Joe Klecker is everybody's Instagram crush, <laughs> you can't you can't pick him because that's cheating. Mm-hmm. But doesn't have to be like a real crush it can be like a dog account or something like that oh, but what is yeah. what are you into on the internet these days gosh of course now that you ask me i'm gonna blank out uh gosh are you on tiktok um, i am on tiktok i don't really like i don't well okay it's not really like a crush because it's a little bit more um broad than that but the american kennel club tiktok they go through like they recently just had i think their like big dog show and they have such a fun uh tiktok because they go through like all the different dog breeds and you sort of get (laughs) to learn about them and see all their personalities that's been my recent uh internet obsession so across all of the dogs all of the dogs (laughs) um and then the next one is your your go-to karaoke song if you're uh handed the mic and you got to sing something it's your time to shine what are you singing um probably the song maniac i don't know who it's by but uh, (laughs) like maybe it's from the 80s or something oh yeah are you is that on the wedding playlist is that a must play (laughs) it'll probably be on the playlist yeah i i think that's a that's a a pretty decent classic for sure Mm -hmm. um and last but not least your death row meal you're going to the chair you get one more meal anything you want to eat what do you yeah. want to eat before you go? Probably some pizza and an ice cream sundae. What's on the pizza? Um, that's a great question. It'll probably probably be like a sausage, onion, maybe something else on it, depending on where we're getting it from. Well, you and can get then, it from wherever you want. You can order yeah. delivery. In, in this made-up scenario, you can get any we can get place it from, in the country. Well, <laughs> recently, I've been really into, there's this place in Longmont called Babette's Bakery. And they have, like, croissants and stuff, but they also have this really good pizza. So they have this awesome sausage squash pizza. So that's what I would want. 
also right. I've just been wanting that like I've been they're not open on Monday and Tuesday and I was only in town on Monday last week no and <laughs> it's and I've and it's like Tuesday today so I gotta I'm waiting until tomorrow I've been thinking about this pizza for like three weeks now so that's what my meal would be and then uh and then the ice cream Sunday would probably be like a chocolate chip cookie dough ice cream with hot fudge and whipped cream and sprinkles Classic. probably Mm -hmm. can't go wrong rainbow or chocolate rainbow fair enough that sounds delicious and now i'm getting kind of hungry Uh (laughs) (laughs) i know i'm about to go uh i don't know break into that that place and steal the pizza while they're while they're (laughs) closed uh i will i won't tell i won't blame you for that uh and i'll yeah. i'll know like when we see on instagram tomorrow the the sausage squash pizza will know that this this wish yeah, has finally I'll, been fulfilled i'll try to i'll try to <laughs> post it hopefully i actually go tomorrow sometime this week it's gonna happen though oh well good luck i i hope nothing but the best uh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um what's uh what's up next race wise do you know are you still trying to figure that out so i think i'm i'm running a 1500 at the ed murphy meet in uh memphis mm-hmm. that's that's the next thing on the calendar and then tbd on like a little bit of a europe uh schedule for august oh uh, yeah well good luck with that uh well i'll hopefully see you and eugene uh oh yeah around. yeah um so uh i know plenty... now that i'm not racing i'm hoping to actually get around a little bit and see people yeah be fun that's the yeah exactly <laughs> Is that is the men's te- the men's 10k is at the end? Of, I should know this. Um, no, it's it's uh the first Sunday, the seventeenth. Oh, okay. Is the mm-hmm. women's 10k like the day before, the day after? Yeah, it's on the Saturday. Okay. So I'm getting. I, yeah, I knew the women's was early. I didn't know if they like mm-hmm. switched it, so it was opposite. But yeah, it, it kind of sucks because like I like uh, I'm I'll be there for the 10ks and then through the end of the 1500 rounds, but then I'm getting out of there before Jordy starts racing. Which like, oh, no. <laughs> not that he really cares, but it's like, I, I just, I can't spend that long in Eugene, you know? So poor, poor Jordy. I, not that he really is like, he probably doesn't even think about whether I'm there or not, but I'm not going <laughs> to be there for it. <laughs> well, you can, you can at least host the, the Boulder cheering party or yeah. wherever, wherever yeah, you I, are I cheering can do from. That. <laughs> Um, awesome. Well, uh, well, we'll see you then and, and, and good luck with the rest of the season. Um, thanks so much for coming on. This was super yeah. fun. Thanks. Yeah, uh, this was fun. <laughs> and until <laughs> next time, this has been Run Your Mouth. She's